0: Victoria College is a public open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome in to episode 56 of The Grid. I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me, as usual, Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. It's a really happy day here at the Advocate. All of our baseball teams are in the playoffs, won their division, don't have to play in this wild card round. So the piece is being kept for now. We'll see if the piece is still kept in late October. Um, yeah, that's as far as we'll go into baseball talk today, though. Actually, we got a little bit to talk about. Well, we're gonna go into high school football here in the crossroads. District play is starting up and in some places continuing. One of those places is Victoria with the two Victoria High Schools. Last Thursday, Victoria West went down to Corpus Christi Moody and coming into it, you know, I was, you know, talking up Moody a little bit because that's what the West program was doing. They were talking about Moody, talking about this is going to be a difficult game, difficult opponent, and the Warriors made it look like anything but. And, you know, you did, they did what you wanted them to do, which was have a very good, clean, professional performance they went in took care of business defense they only allowed a touchdown in to the last i think it was a minute left in the game the starters did not have still not allowed any points in district play they play veterans memorial this week so that will probably change big plays in the passing game continue kamari montgomery continues to run the football but victoria west two games in district play it's been what they needed after a rough start in non-district 2 and 3 on the season 2 and 0 oh in district play now and with Corpus Christi Veterans on the schedule this week, the defending district champions. We'll talk more about that game later, but this, you know, good little, you know, a lot of confidence for the team going into what's going to be one of their bigger games of the year this week. Jeremiah, you stayed back, you stayed home this week. You had a, here at Memorial Stadium. Corpus Christi Miller came to town, who a lot of people consider them the district favorites in fourteen five a d one. Uh, it was a shootout here at Memorial Stadium. Miller ultimately won. Talk about what you you know what you saw take place Friday night.
1: Yeah, it was a uh, you know definitely a shootout. Miller won sixty six to forty two. But uh, you know the thing that I saw from from East, uh, which uh, head coach Charlie Reeve kind of mentioned, it was a little bit of inconsistency from the Titans. They started off pretty hot. the The game was fourteen to fourteen. It seemed like every game uh, Victoria East has started off you know the first quarter. Uh, well, but then uh, they gave up like a 32 to seven run over the second and third quarters, and then uh, they they kind of bounced back in the fourth quarter and scored three touchdowns, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, th- uh, especially when you're playing against a, a, a you know, like like Gabe said, one of the district favorites in Miller, you can't you can't have those quarters or you know two quarters where you take off. So I think uh, you know it was a tough loss for them, but uh, you know the defense gave up over uh, six hundred and fifty yards, which uh, coming into the game, he kind of expected it was going to be, uh, you know, one of these shootout games where where you know a lot of yards are gained. But um, you know, Reeve just wasn't really pleased with uh, you know what he saw, and he was uh, you know just kind of pounding pounding that uh, you know inconsistency, and he was uh, really hard on his team. And uh, uh, you know, they have they have a chance to bounce back against uh, Ray, which we'll talk about in a few minutes.
0: Yeah, it, Miller feels like a team, and I imagine you got the sense being there at this game where it just feels like you have to score every time you touch the ball, and not not field goals, touchdowns, like And not just this game, but talking to people in Corpus, and you know, just you know, doing a little box score scouting as well. It does feel like just if you want to beat Corpus Christi, Miller, you better get points every time you touch the ball because they, on offense, they they have no problem putting them up.
1: Yeah, it definitely felt like that. And, uh, you know, in those second and third quarters, uh, you know, East kind of struggled. Uh, I think one of the one of the, the possessions, a uh, fourth down got uh, turnover on downs and then, you know, just a little bit struggle. So it, it definitely would have helped if they would have scored more um, considering, uh, you know, the outcome of the game
0: yeah you know i'm excited to see miller when they play west later on this year it's you know miller's taken two trips to victoria this year last week and i think they got one two or three weeks they'll come up and play victoria west uh mike you had a big game across the breaking news guys tide haven has given up a point uh i made the bold prediction last week saying they'd give up you know they'd give up a point they allowed seven so perhaps that defense can be cracked they allowed a whopping seven points against east bernard um but they win fifteen to 70 against East Bernard. you know, knock down drag out game from the sounds of it. Mike, what'd you what'd you see out there?
2: Uh yeah, they did give up uh seven. East Bernard uh hit him with a touchdown pass and it, it was a dime. I mean, uh the the receiver was covered, but it was a perfect pass. Uh and you know, got to give credit to East Bernard. Uh, well,
0: and that Maddox, Chris, for East Bernard, he's yeah, a good, he's a good player.
2: Yeah, and he made the catch. The quarterback put it right where it needed to be. So uh, you give credit to that. Uh, Tide even got a test. Uh, East Bernard is, uh, I think they're getting better every week. And what impressed me about East Bernard was their front. Uh, their front is good. And, in fact, even I spoke to Joseph Dodds after the game. Uh, He scored two touchdowns. I I had him for 106. I think the official total was 112. But uh, he only averaged about three yards per carry. He had to work for everything. And he even pointed out uh, he singled out one of the East Bernard uh, front guys and he said he is really good. So, uh, and they had talked, you know, it's premature, of course, but – this is a possible fourth round matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, these two teams could play again. Now, uh, Ty Davin, what I know what upset Coach Lucio about that game is Tidehaven had a few opportunities to put that game away. You know, where they were more than one score ahead, uh, but uh, their kicker, who's an excellent kicker, he had uh, apparently he's having some issues with his plant leg. So he missed two extra points in, a, in what a relatively short field goal. He did make one field goal. But that's very unusual, and I don't see that happening very much. So uh, at least, you know, they came out of there with a win, a district win. And, uh, you know, what I think I put in the story, it was like over 200 minutes. Yeah that they didn't allow a point. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, that's remarkable. And even when they do, it's seven points against yeah. the East Bernard team that I saw put 49 up against Shiner prior to their bye. You mentioned East Bernard getting better every week. They played Edna and Hitchcock to open the season. I don't think there's a much, especially in this area yeah. at that level, there's not a much tougher slate you can uh, Edna than Hitchcock. That's, that's about as brutal as it gets over there um they beat ganado 35 27 we're actually going to talk about them here in just a couple of seconds beat shiner 49 49 to 6 and you know keeping it with tide haven the way they did i know you know i can't imagine east bernard's very happy right now they got to think you know man a play here a play there and a you know a game that ends in an eight point game but yeah you imagine they're a team to be reckoned with as we uh, head into the month of november um but I was at Ganado Friday night, and uh, you talk about a team getting better every week. Mike, you were over there during the week, and this is a team that's building some confidence. I think, you know, we know Shiner's down this year. and We've talked about that, but for them, beating Shiner was such a big, like, we finally did it. We finally did it, and they came out against Kennedy, and if there were any thoughts of an emotional letdown or, oh, looking ahead to the bye week or, okay, we you know, we can rest on our laurels. None of it. I mean, they came out hair on fire. Bryce Bryce Olman was really good, and I mean, just playmakers, weapons on weapons on weapons over there at Gennado. It they have a they have a very creative offense. They just you know get the ball to the playmakers quickly and let them do their thing. Um, I I was impressed with with what i saw from ganado kennedy kennedy's a younger team but to come out after having you know what i imagine was a very emotional victory over shiner just because shiner is who they are for them to come out and have that same level of energy and talk to coach Irvin after the game and he you know that's what he wanted to see they just want to see keep keep building week to week and really really impressed with ganado just their level of focus their attention to detail they seem to do everything well shoot to start the second half i think they were up 41 to nothing or 34 to nothing at this point. They start the second half. They do, Not an onside kick, but they kind of do a short kick. And it's the quarterback, Ullman, who's sprinting down the field and he recovers the ball. Mm-hmm. So, like, even in the game, even in game, when the game's well decided, they're still going at it. So, I'm excited to see this Ganado team as they continue to try to navigate this district. Obviously, Refurio is going to, you know, yeah. that's a tough test for anybody. But three rivers down the road, I'm excited to see kind of how Ganado's. Um, How's their, how their season plays out? Because I was impressed with, you know, the product they put on the field, put on the field Friday night. And they're, they're going to their bye week now, so they're expecting just, you know, still kind of a younger team, not a ton of seniors on a team. Actually, one of their standouts, Logan Burris, is a freshman, running back who had you know a couple of really big plays in that game so they expect to just keep getting better and better they're a team I'm excited to see kind of what they become over this next month but we're gonna hear this message from white trash service and then we're gonna look ahead into week seven both Victoria schools in action the oldest continuous rivalry in Texas and that district in 3a with Yoakum Hitchcock Columbus and Hallettsville opens up and we're excited about that we've been waiting for that one since the season started stay tuned we'll be right back
3: i'm joined by bj nelson bj why trash services what is it and, and, and what do y'all do
2: well thank you for asking we gather trash in the counties around the crossroads area we've been in business for eight years and we have dumpster trash can and roll off of companies
3: and you know y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the crossroads region just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area.
2: High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football.
3: And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team?
2: You can give us a call at 361 361 550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen, so give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things.
0: And we are back on episode 56 of The Grid. We're going to look ahead to week 7 um and we'll start thursday night another thursday night game for the victoria schools I, li- I like these thursday night games i don't know i don't know if everyone else does but i like them personally and that's really what matters on the show um but east heads down to corpus they'll match up with Corpus Christi ray Jeremiah you're our east guy what uh what does coach Riyard say about this matchup you mentioned he is incons- inconsistency last week i imagine there's there's some things they want to correct
1: yeah there's definitely stuff that they wanted to correct and uh you know when i went to a practice uh yesterday they were working on that um really for him it was just you know getting back to the basics of tackling uh you know communicating on defense and you know doing those little things that uh you know can can really impact the game and, and i think uh you know as far as uh, offense uh, he said that they want to continue to run the ball uh, uh ray they've given up over 260 yards in their last four games on the ground so that's going to be a, a, an area that the offense want, wants to get going. And, um, you know, I think uh, obviously they want to continue passing the ball with Case and Coley and, uh, the, you know, the weapons that they have in uh, Bryson Ortega. And then they also got a new weapon in a uh, tight end, Xavier Salazar, who he caught uh, two passes for two touchdowns this past week. So um, I think offensively they're good. I think really just this week it was focusing on defense and, um, you know, tackling and doing those little things.
0: Yeah, nothing gives your defense quite a wake up call like going up against Miller this year. They're gonna I mean, they're gonna hang up a lot of points on a lot of teams. So that's you know, uh this is a this is a get right spot, it's kinda what you call it for Victoria East. Looking for you know, they've been I mean, they've been impressive, especially relative to what they were a year ago. So look you know, I am you know looking forward to seeing, you know, they take advantage of this get right spot as district play continues for them. Victoria West, one of their biggest games of the season. The defending district champions, Corpus Christi Veterans, comes to Memorial Stadium, take on the Warriors. There's an excitement within Victoria West for this one. They, 49-35 was a score last year. They were in the game throughout it, and there's an excitement. And we we talk, we talk about sometimes like teams just need momentum. or need something to go right. And West, they played a tough non-district slate. You know they got beat up a little bit. They got their butt kicked a couple of times. They had the bye week and they come back in the district play. Now King and Moody are not two of the toughest teams in the district. Everyone's aware of that. But getting the wins, playing well, finding the rhythm on offense, getting the defense like hey we can you know we can tackle, we can get to the ball, we can do things right, we can execute. That confidence now I think that was important as they're getting ready to play. Vets had had vets been the first game in district. I think that'd be a bad spot for Wes – but now coming off a couple of wins, playing well, they get the extra day of rest, you know, because they played on Thursday of last week. There's an excitement within the program for this one. Something uh, something Boyce had mentioned to me this week is uh just, just physicality. Um Vets is a very physical team. That's how they've made their uh that's how they've made their name. Uh, they got a couple of linebackers who are really, really good at safety who's, you know, outstanding is you know, hearing, you know, boys talk about him. Um, what i'm looking for though the last three years vets has had the same defensive line on the field they've had four defensive linemen who have just been awesome they have since graduated and I, vets beat a lot of teams at the line of scrimmage now i imagine you know their development their coaching over there i can't imagine they have you know i can't imagine they have bad players on the defensive line but i i know that west is looking forward to seeing new faces on the defensive lines and the one that have been coming through Corpus Christi Vets for the last few years, but it's a, I am very interested to see this one take place. I think West, were they're starting to grow, they're starting to progress, but this is their biggest challenge, certainly in district to date. So I'm look I'm looking forward to seeing how. Okay, you got a couple of wins against teams you sh- you beat two teams handily, and you should have beaten them handily. Now you have a really good team. If Miller isn't the favorite, Vets is let's see how this let's see how this one plays out defending district champions at home you played with them last year on the road how yeah, a lot of guys back for you how can you handle this challenge i'm looking forward to seeing how west responds to what's going to be a really good team on the other side while hey 2-0 district 2-0 different district west sees this as hey this is a you know district championship eliminator so they're excited for this one mike I think you got our game of the week mm-hmm. this week. The oldest r- continuous rivalry. Is it the oldest rivalry overall? No, it's just, not the oldest. Just the oldest continuous continu- The longest rivalry. continuous rivalry in the state of Texas, El Campo Bay City. We're lucky to have it in our area. And as he is every year, seemingly every year, Mike Foreman will be out there. This is both teams are really good. El Campo's in the Dave Campbell rankings oh now. Th- this, is, uh, this is an easy one to get excited about.
2: Yeah, it's the 120th meeting and 104th consecutive meeting. And uh, great, you know, it's always a great game. Although lately it's been dominated by El Campo, they've won 16 of the last 17. Uh, It's interesting going in. Uh, El Campo seems to be playing its best football uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, with the return of Oliver Miles and they got some other people back. They seem to have found themselves a little bit. Uh, they're coming off their bye. Bay City is, I still think, so it could be a very good team. They've had uh, last week against Navasota the same thing. They kind of bit them against Edna. They, they're they giving up big plays. Uh, they get a guy or two out of position, and boom, they, they, they get hit. Um, but... Uh, you know, last week that they their offense picked it up. They showed, uh, I think we were talking about Zylan Williams had 22 receptions, which uh, I didn't realize at the time is the third most in state history for a single game. I think the record's 24. There's one guy that has 24 and one has 23. That's incredible. Um, but I, I think uh, what both teams kind of said, I think this game's going to be won at the line of scrimmage because El is going to want to run the ball. And to do that, they're going to have to move Carlon Jones and some of those people that Bay City have up front. And secondly, I think if uh, Bay City likes to throw the ball a little bit, they have to you know, take the pressure off their quarterback. So I, I think that'll be a big factor in this game.
0: Yeah, you mentioned El Campo playing their best football right now. That kind of coincides with Oliver Miles coming back into the lineup. He he helps just a tad out there in El Campo. So I like doing this when there's big rivalry games like this, and this is, you know, about as big a rivalry we get in the area. Give me – so basically he's lost 16 in the last 17. Give, give me their path to victory in this one. Because I think when it, when, it's, when a rivalry has been one-sided, it can feel like, oh, the game's over before it's begun. But basically, we, you know, they played Edna really, really tough. And Edna, as we know, is really, really good. So there's a path to victory for Bay City in this one. What is it?
2: It's the same as it always is. They can't make dumb mistakes. I mean, they on both offense or defense. Defense, like I said, they get guys out of position, boom. I mean, Edna hit him with two big plays on that, uh, that kind of counter trap up the middle. They broke both of them for long runs because uh, a safety was out of position. Same thing happened to him last week. They had a prevent defense where the guy comes up and takes the guy running the crossing route instead of the deep route. Those kind of things will kill you. If they don't make those kind of mistakes, they can win this game. I mean, all I have to do is point to last year's game, which El Campo won by 10 points. And in that game, Bay City has the ball right before halftime. It's kind of driving down. They throw a pick six. And, I mean, that changed the whole momentum of the game. and they, and later in the game, they're driving down to make it a one-score game, and they fumble. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, the path to victory for Bay City is do not make mistakes. If they don't make mistakes, they have a chance to win this game.
0: Is the game at Bay City or at El Campo? It's at Bay City. It's a, hey, that's another one. Especially, you know, uh,
2: I'll tell you, this—you just never know. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen weird things happen in this game, regardless of where. You know, one of my most memorable games that Bay City came back and scored, I believe, uh, two touchdowns late. You know, in El Campo, to win the game. So I mean, that I don't know if that's so much important as uh,
0: well. I imagine El Campo is going to have a decent fan contingent there well, as well.
2: It'll be it'll be crazy. I mean, the the odd thing is, you know, since Bay City has built its new stadium, in the old stadium, the old Memorial Stadium. It, it had the strange thing of the press box being on the visitor's side. That is that is
0: strange. Yeah, <laughs> is. so
2: basically you would sit there and the El Campo fan base was right in front of you. So that was really kind of funny. But uh, now that they've switched over, you know, the Bay City fan base, I think we'll have a good crowd for this. Uh, it's a great game, you know. It, it's the kind of game that... Uh, you know, when you have the history involved, it was like I was I was talking to Travis Reeve. You know, he uh, he was involved in the Quero yokum rivalry, right. so he got a taste of a rivalry, you know. And just, I think, the coaches and the players, it's just something special for all of them.
0: There's nothing like a good local rivalry there. You get the neighboring towns or two schools in the same town. Uh, in this case
2: neighboring towns there's
0: nothing nothing quite like that those are always a lot of fun you mentioned Yokum, and we'll you know we'll, we'll transition here we'll we'll head to the next segment uh jeremiah you'll be at Yokum Hitchcock this week and this is um i mean last week wake they played Waco la Vega tough lost 28 21 but la Vega's typically one of the better teams in the state um this district has been since august we've been looking forward to oh when district play begins here. What are you looking for? <laughs> what are you looking for as this as this one comes through? Because Hitchcock, as we've come to find out, is or we already knew was going to be really really good. And Yoakum with Zach Taylor coming in, they have one of the most dynamic quarterbacks, really probably in all three A. What's you know what are you looking for as this game starts? Is there anything specific you're you know you're looking at as this one begins?
1: Yeah, the thing that uh, you know I'm most interested in seeing is, like you said, the quarterback matchup between Zachary Taylor who. I believe he's uh you know at 900 passing yards he's nearing a thousand and 11 touchdowns uh the army football commit uh you know matching up against the hitchcock's quarterback lloyd jones who has multiple div- division one offers so i think that's going to be the thing that that you know kind of stands out to me in the beginning and see how those guys are going to able to you know lead their teams uh, in this matchup and you know like you said first district game so that that there's a little bit more there, so I think that'll be, uh, you know, interesting. But um, Mike, I know you've covered, uh, you know, both of these teams. What do you think? Yokum's going to have to do to, to, you know, get this win over the number four ranked Hitchcock?
2: Well, when I spoke to uh, Bo Robinson on Monday, he said the uh, the most important things for Yoakum was number one tackle. He said if if you let these guys get away, they're gone. I mean, they have speed everywhere. They have so many athletes at quarterback, wide receiver that you can't let them get away from your tackling. The other thing he said was he wants Yoakum to be able to run the ball because he wants to control the clock a little bit mm-hmm. and keep the ball out of Hitchcock's hands. If they can execute that game plan, they have a shot because Yoakum also has big play potential, as we've seen. I mean, uh, you know, Zach, uh, they took uh, they took Vega to overtime last mm-hmm. week. And uh, actually, there was uh, – there was kind of a weird call in the game that hurt Yoakum that, you know, they might have won the game, I think, if that call hadn't happened. They they took away a pass interference uh, penalty and an uh, offsides penalty on uh, La Vega. But anyways, that would be my key. But um, I'll tell you what. I mean, that quarterback is, as is, uh, Jeremiah said, Lloyd- uh, Lloyd-Jones. Jones. He is – outstanding i saw him against refurio i mean he sits back there and he can throw the ball but if all his receivers are covered he can take off and he runs pretty fast so i mean they they are just a threat they just have so many skilled players
0: yeah lloyd jones class of 2025 quarterback he's a four star per the 24 7 sports (laughs) composite so that's a Again, it's I mean you talked about when they face for Furio. It's like kind of good luck covering you know yeah. defending this team. And I, I remember talking to Bo in the preseason, and he he said he thought Hitchcock was the most talented team in three A. And ended a sentence right there. Didn't didn't no qualifiers, no nothing. So that I mean that tells you the kind of respect Bo has for yeah. what his opponent.
2: He did say to me though, and he brought this up that they don't play as well out of outside of Galveston County. Yeah. So I mean uh, that's the You know, Yoakum does have at home, so that's a benefit.
0: Yeah, and I mean, last year, Hitchcock, they went to Howlitzville, and they lost, and that, you know, I think that one at the time was probably one of the more shocking results, at least, you know, in the area here, so that, you know, Yoakum had a chance to do that. I think – it's always fun. You have, you know, Hallisville, Yokum, Hitchcock, Columbus. You have four teams in this district, all four of whom think, hey, we're going to win this freaking district. So that's a – Yeah,
2: and, I, and, and here's the thing, like I pointed out in my column, uh, as, you know, Coach Levi Montgomery agreed, uh, seating is very important. Mm-hmm. Because you're looking at by district where you got Franklin and yeah. Arena, you know. I mean, you do not want to be three or four there. Yeah. So not one or two's no picnic. Yeah. But three or four is really tough. So it, it would you know it's it's good to get one of those top two seats.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you talk about consequential games in early October. This is about as consequential as it as it gets. No no off days here, and you know, loser of this one's probably looking at a three or four down the line. Just Going, you know, you just can't afford to lose. You can't afford to lose games. So this, you know, I again, mean, you talk about exciting games. This is, you know, El Campo Bay City, Yokum Hitchcock. These, you know, we got some awesome games this week. But we're gonna hear this message from Thriving Financial, and then we're gonna talk some volleyball. We had some, uh, you know, some ranked teams in action, some shocking results in District Twenty Seven Two A. And then, uh, and then we're going to talk, Mike, uh, Mike got my, uh, he got something going in me. We're going to, we're going to talk some, some cotton balls, some Texas OU as it's Red River shootout week. And, uh, I couldn't be more excited for that either. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: Thrivent is a proud sponsor of the grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor, Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies, that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning.
0: And we're back with episode 56 of The Grid. And last night, we finally got the chance to do something we haven't been able to do this year. We got the chance to go out to Calhoun. See, the number seven ranked Calhoun Sandys take on Orange Grove, and Calhoun continues to do what they've done this year, which is win and dominate district volleyball games. Uh, 3-0 win over Orange Grove. 25-8, 25-16, 25-20. Easy, nice for Calhoun. They keep going. This is an interesting one, though, coming in because – Calhoun has lost one district game in the last two seasons. And last year it was the first Tuesday in October at home against an Orange Grove team they had already beaten earlier in the season, didn't come out hard, lost 3-1. So there were some nerves for this one because they kind of had, you know, a lot of the same players are still there. They kind of had that in their mind. And if there was any lingering doubts or any thoughts of, oh, could lightning strike twice, they started off the game up 16-3. to And they kind, you know, Orange Grove. You could kind of see their confidence go away after that. And Calhoun, just okay. We know we got this. And uh, something from Calhoun, and actually, like I like what Coach Jenna Buzzick does here. So Calhoun's going through district play, and they're you know they're dominating everybody. She reaches into her bench pretty early in these matches. So even in the first set, you know they get they you know they jump out to that big lead. Okay, you know, it's not great for the stats necessarily, but you'll put in kind of the second kind of the second string hitter, second string string setters and let them get some swings, get some reps in there. It's, you don't know when you might need these girls down the line. You don't know who might sustain an injury or just, you know, stop playing well or whatever. So I kind of like what she's doing. She's keeping the whole team involved there and, you know, talking to her last night and talking to a couple of players, it is they have founded a challenge as they've gone in district play to, to stay focused because they are just you know kind of similar to what Goliad's doing down down in 3A just completely dominating the district but I think playing the amount of players they're playing and kind of the attitude of this team you know it's a very uh it's very relaxed they're not you know Coach White says they're not really just they're not phased by a whole lot. They, they they just they're kind of chill. They are who they are. They if they fall behind, they're not going to get rattled. So, this team currently ranked number seven in a Texas Girls Coaches Association poll, uh, made a regional quarterfinal run last year. They are intent on surpassing that this year. They want to be the best team in the history of Calhoun volleyball and as it stands right now they're on their way to doing that they got about you know they got three weeks left of district play and then the postseason comes around and they're uh they're excited to uh they're excited for the challenge that comes with playoff volleyball so last night took care of business swept orange grove and 28 and 5 on the season now for the number seven sandys jeremiah you stayed home you had victoria east playing corpus christi ray and kind of a shocking result you know east Played West really, really tough last week. Took him five sets. Took him really down to the wire. And then they got swept at home by Corpus Christi Ray. That had to be a little shocking. What, you know, what'd you make
1: of it? What'd you see? Yeah, well, coming off of that, uh, you know, close match against West a few, uh, you know, a few games ago, uh, it seemed like, that you know, they were on the upward trajectory. And then they they got us, uh, they swept Corpus Christi Miller on Friday. um, And, you know, they were feeling good about themselves. And then coming into this game against Ray, it was you know, a chance for them to, you know, get back on track in, in district play and, you know, go into into the second half of, uh, you know, district play with a few wins. And then, you know, they just got swept by Ray. I mean, it was, uh, you know, the the first set, they committed over 10 errors, um, you know, had a lot of trouble with, uh, you know, the, the athletic ability of the front line from Ray. Um, and yeah, it was just a, you know, obviously a disappointing loss for, for Coach Bradley and her girls. And, um, you know, they, they, They got a tough test uh, ahead of them at Gregory Portland. And then then following that, they have, uh, you know, Victoria West again. So, uh, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, comes easy for this team, uh, you know, in the future.
0: And that's, I mean, you talk about a damaging loss because the way the, so North zone, South zone, what happens is the winner of the two zones play each other and get, you know, they'll get the one and two seed. But then the second and third place teams will play each other. Second and South will play third and the North and vice versa um and they'll play for the three and the four seed and that's where you know this loss to ray potentially moves east out of that number three spot in the north where they might they there's a chance they don't get a they don't, they don't get the opportunity to earn a playoff spot later on in the year so a you know a damaging loss for you know for east this week and that's a and you t- probably a bit of an emotional letdown there after being you know, what the game against West was the last time they were at home. We had some v- drama in two-way, district twenty-seven two way featuring Shiner, Schulenberg, Weimer, um Weimer. Uh we talked about it, you know, last couple of weeks where Shiner Schulenberg, we're looking forward to those games. Couple of teams who are ranked in the top twenty in the state, probably gonna, you know, probably gonna determine district title. Well, Weimer heard that and they didn't appreciate our disrespect, guys. Because they went they they went to Shiner, beat Shiner, uh, last Friday. They went they went in, beat them 3-1, handled their business. Shiner f- fell out of the rankings. Schulenberg played Weimer at Weimer last night. Beat you know, they went and beat Weimer. So they the, Schulenberg's now really in control of their fate as far as district play goes. One at Weimer. They're currently ranked number 10 in two A. Schulenberg's been volleyball power for a while now. That continues. Now Schulenberg will play at Shiner friday night so we're you know we're gonna follow, keep following that two-way race as it as it gets going but schulenberg now we thought it was gonna be a hey, two-team race well a third horse has entered it in weimer and you know shiner they're, they're kind of playing for the district title hopes at home against schulenberg on uh you know on friday night and that's one if they if they can't win that one it gets really hard to win you know to win district title because then schulenberg probably has to lose tw- you know would have to lose twice in order for them to have a chance so that's uh some some volleyball in the area but we got a we're gonna talk some text to you in a second but mike uh hody garcia state championship baseball coach at stroman he uh he passed away yesterday he's someone or today or yesterday? yesterday yesterday so you know someone you knew someone who you covered i mean talk about you know Talk about him a little bit. I mean, a state championship coach in Victoria, we haven't had a, lot, had a lot of state champions here in the city, so that obviously a big accomplishment on his part and someone who's had an impact in the sporting community here.
2: Yeah, it's hard to describe the impact that uh, Hody had when he came in here. Uh, Stroman baseball has had, had good teams and had actually been to the state tournament in the 70s. But when Hody came in here in the 80s, it uh, they had kind of – well, they weren't terrible, but they weren't what you would call a contender. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came in and, uh, boy, I mean, his style of play, he was a no-nonsense kind of coach, uh, very fiery. Mm-hmm. Um, his practices were very much up-tempo. Um, I uh, i describe an incident uh, that I think uh, Manuel Alvarado, who's now the coach at uh, – st. joseph and was the second baseman on that uh, state championship team told me uh the first the first meeting he was a sophomore when hody got to stroman uh he said they having a meeting and two two guys walked in late hody said uh sent them out and told them to go change their schedules they were gone hody did not put up with any nonsense uh so that was the type of coach he was. He he cared a lot about his players, but he had very strict rules, and you had to follow them. And uh, he was a very aggressive type coach. Like I said, uh, he would squeeze in any opportunity. I think I mentioned that he squeezed once with two strikes in a playoff You game. told me that before the <laughs> show,
0: and I'm like, good Lord. Yeah, he,
2: he, he just trusted his players. And the reason his theory was – I put so much pressure on these guys in practice that when they get to the games, it's easy. Mm -hmm. You know, this is relaxing. So the year they won state in 85 is a very interesting year because uh, they come out in the last week of the uh, season to win the district championship. All they had to do was uh, win the last game against, I think it was Alice, uh, well, anyways, Hody had a way of – he would put in a lot of substitutes toward the end of a game. He did that, and it, it cost him. Alice came back and beat him. And, uh, but Victoria High, who was coached by Robert Tripson at that time, beat Corpus Christi Moody, mm-hmm. which was – so that put him in a tie for the district championship, and uh, uh, Stroma won the playoff. Now, the interesting thing about those playoffs was they were stopped – I believe it was the second round by court injunction. And that, that, that delay lasted almost two weeks. And they finally got rid of the injunction. And when they were allowed to play, they had to finish. I think the injunction came was ended on a Thursday. And the teams were given that Saturday to finish their whatever series. So Stroman had to go to Laredo after losing the first game at home and win a doubleheader. Which it did. Two weeks after the first yeah. contest. which it did. But the interesting thing about that is uh, they had their signs. Mm-hmm. They had gotten their signs. Uh. So they knew what pitch was coming. And that obviously made a difference. But from there, they went on and uh, they made it to state. And uh, they won the, uh, the uh, semifinal game quite handily. And then they uh, won the final three to nothing. And the the way it ended is very memorable because uh, the uh, Pasadena-Rayburn, the team they played, had runners on first and second with two outs.
0: My mom is an alumni of
2: Pasadena-Rayburn. Well, she may remember this. They had first and second with two outs. Richard Delgado was the pitcher, pitching a great game. But he let loose a pitch that sure looked like a wild pitch. So the runners take off. Well, the ball hits the back of the backstop at Dish Fonk and bounces right back to catcher Edwin Hawkins, Ooh. who turns and guns the throw to Edwin Bell at third base, who tags the runner out. And that's the way the game ended. So, I mean, it was just a crazy year. But Hody, uh, great coach. A lot of his players went on to uh, coach. And uh, they're coaching now, in fact, uh, Mike Yates, at uh, Victoria East, of course, Manuel Alvarado. And uh, he won uh, his 600th game at Bloomington before he retired. So, uh, And I believe every school he coached at made the playoffs, not every season, but right. at least once. So a uh, really great coach. Uh, also a Spanish teacher, I should mention that, and a uh, really good teacher too. So uh, he will be missed at uh, – he died at the age of 74, which uh way too young.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Foreman's steel trap memory. <laughs> Mike Foreman. Uh, incre- Sam Ray. that is not – my mom is l- legitimately an alumni there. I'm sure she knew players on that finalist – on that state finalist team. Yeah. So that is – it's funny how small – it's funny how small the world is. So we're, we're going to do some more reminiscing with Mike because he walked in today and <laughs> – the Texas Oklahoma game at the Cotton Bowl is one of my favorite sporting events. It's circled on the calendar every year. That includes this year, first time i have been undefeated, matching up since 2011. A Southwestern Bell Cotton Bowl uh, Cotton bowl sweater. The week of the Red River Shootout, Mike. You, you went to SMU. You're fr- You know. You spent a lot of time in the in the DFW area. Do you, give me some memories that you have. I imagine you've been to the co- the Cotton Bowl the old Cotton Bowl stadium quite a bit. Now they play the Cotton Bowl at Jerry World. This Texas OU at the real Cotton Bowl stadium in the middle of the State Fair. This is as real as Texan as old school as it gets. Talk about you know, kind of your your kind of favorite memories of the old Cotton Bowl stadium.
2: Oh, there's so many of them. I because when I was in I want to say it was around 6th or 7th grade, I used to uh sell programs to uh smu games Mm -hmm. uh my my mother may she rest in peace uh poor woman used to have to get me up we get up early i believe it was friday morning and go to uh pick up the programs Mm -hmm. and then i would sell them on that saturday and the best thing about it was they give you a pass to the game i mean you didn't have a seat but you could go in so my my strategy, I think I got fifty programs. If you sold them, you made five bucks, which were <laughs> at that time for a kid my age, that was that was decent money. So but the best thing of course was getting to go to the games. So I would always attempt to sell the get programs before the game. Yeah. And you know, I could have gone back and gotten more, yeah. but I, I didn't care. So I just went and watched the games yeah. after that. And that included Texas OU which uh I think if I'm not mistaken uh in that game we got $4 because I think they took a dollar for charity or something like that but I Robin in, Young Mike yeah so I would go into those uh Texas OU games and uh it's kind of funny now because uh I don't really remember the last Texas OU game I saw but here it ends up my son goes to OU. Yeah. And, of course, he would go to the games when he was at OU now that he's graduated and, you know, he has a, uh, a baby girl he won't be able to go this year. But uh, so, you know, a lot of torn loyalties mm-hmm. there. I obviously have no loyalty to really either school, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I always enjoy that. It's, you know, just – just looking at the crowd, I mean, the red and the orange. Yeah. It, it's Split an, at the uh, 50. It is an incredible scene, uh, very memorable. Yeah. Of course, uh, lately, I, I'll i be honest with you, I haven't seen too many of them because when you stay up all night yeah. doing standings, it's kind of hard to wake up for that, yeah. 11, a.m. that
0: 11 o'clock <laughs> kickoff. Yeah. Well, I tell you, the, uh, the fans who are going to that game this year, it's going to be about 75 degrees in Dallas on Saturday, which – I went two years ago for the Caleb Williams game, and it, it was about 95 outside. It, it wasn't 75. It was, it was hot. Um, so we got a, connect, a couple of local connections in this one. Jordan Whittington and Jonathan Brooks, who had a monster game against Kansas last week. Mike, I imagine you'll be asleep when it kicks off do you have a prediction for us this week do you do you have an idea Uh, who you think is going to win this one
2: i I really my son would kill me for this but i really think texas is going to win this game i just think they played better better competition Mm -hmm. and uh oklahoma's been good and they're better than they are last year when texas blew them out but uh i just i don't think they've seen a team the caliber of texas yet now that said We've seen funny things happen in this game, yeah. and if Texas starts turning the ball over, that could be a totally different story.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to go to this one, but I was looking at the high school schedule <laughs> back in back in July and August, and I was like, well, I gotta you know cover the game Friday night West and Vets, and then about five hour drive to DFW and about seven is when my friends leave to go to the game. So I'm not willing to pull an all nighter. I love this game. I'm not willing to pull an all nighter yeah, to go to it.
2: I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. One time uh, I went to an SMU game after covering uh, Bay city, El Campo yeah. in Bay city. So I I was on the road as soon as I wrote my story, and I think I might have gotten two or three hours of sleep. Yeah, maybe. Well, in Texas,
0: OU for those any of our listeners who have gone, it's a, a it's a logistical poop show to get oh, into and out of yeah, out of fair, that game.
2: State fairs going on. State so.
0: fairs going on. There's really nowhere to park. We go from my friend's house. We go to a train station and take the train is what we do. So we 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 leave his house about six thirty seven a.m. Great event. Love it. Doesn't make sense to go this year. Jeremiah, you got a prediction on this one?
1: Uh, Yeah, similar to what Mike said, just, uh, you know, Texas, the way that they're playing this season. Uh, What are they, ranked number three? Three now? Yeah, um, ranked number
0: three in the country.
1: You know, high as it's been since, you know, I don't know, since I started watching football. So, uh, I would assume that Texas is going to, you know, beat Oklahoma in this one.
0: All right. I got a prediction. I got a score. 45-24 Longhorns. I think it's comfortable. I think Texas, we talk talked about Texas being at another level this year. Are they back? Not going to say they're back. Let's wait till we get to the end of the season to say that. But I think it's the best team since '09. 9 Think it's the best team since 09. So Longhorns 45-24. I think OU hasn't played the level of competition yet. Haven't loved what I've seen from them, and uh, I think they're gonna meet a little reality check this week. And I grew up a Longhorn fan. I watch. I'm, I'm a kid from the state of Texas who watched Vince Young play football. So I grew up, a long, grew up a Longhorn fan like everybody else. But that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Grid, Episode 56. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Heck of a week for high school football this week. Heck of a week for college football, Red River Rivalry. Probably my favorite game of the year. And then MLB playoffs starting. If you're a sports fan, this is the time of year. This is the time of year. Don't do anything on Saturday. No chores, no work, no nothing. Friday night, high school football. Saturday, all day sports. Sunday, NFL. Let's do it. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week right back here on The Grid.